Guys, welcome to the I Love Seville show. My name is Jerry Miller. It's great to be with you after five days, actually seven days of rest and relaxation. It was an enjoyable time. Yes, Vanessa, the queen of Earliesville, we had a blast with our time off, and it's great to be back. A lot we're going to cover on the show, a city council meeting um, earlier this week that was, how do you characterize it, volatile, explosive, um, unpredictable. I mean, people were calling in to the city council meeting. Clearly, well, I, I, I want to hope not from Charlottesville or Central Virginia, um, offering Hail Hitler proclamations on the record. The N-word was used literally by people speaking before council and directed to Councillor Leah Perrier, disgusting and deplorable. Um, we'll cover that. We'll talk Sam Sanders um, and Sam Sanders' plan for um, Tent Town on Market Street Park. Um, this is something that Judah wants to pontificate on a bit, and I'm always excited to hear Judah's reasoned opinion. Um, if you haven't seen the park, the park formerly known as Lee, the park, the park formerly known as Emancipation Park, Freedom Park, Market Street Park. The tents are multiplying, and they're multiplying quickly. Um, City Manager Sam Sanders, who I see often on the downtown mall, um, pacing the bricks, talking to colleagues, walking up and down the mall, having pizza at Vita Nova. I'm at Vita Nova for a slice once a week. Um, He says he's got an action plan, and those plans will be shared with the community as they're um, established. Michael Payne, a city councilor, um, said, we have Sam Sanders' back. We have no plans to let Sam Sanders go. So we'll talk about the city council meeting that was. I also want to you know, do well by the men and women in blue. I say on this program all the time, heroes don't wear capes. Heroes wear badges, and right now the Albemarle County Police Department, the Charlottesville Police Department, the Greene County Police Department, the Virginia State Police, they're actively hunting a man who allegedly abducted or tried to abduct um, a female. We have some details we can share from you, share for you um, for this active manhunt a heavy, heavy police presence um, in the area with those details to come. Um, Robert Allen, I'm just getting word now that James Robert Allen, I'm literally getting word now that James Robert Allen was taken into custody, Jerry. Uh, Jerry, the police chief is going to hold a conference um, at 1.30 p.m. to provide an update. Jerry, Albemarle County Police, UVA Police, Greene County Sheriff's Office, the U.S. Marshal Service, the U.S. Attorney's Office, Commonwealth's Attorney, Orange County Sheriff's Office, the FBI, the Virginia State Police, all involved. I'm seeing bubbles here, more coming. Um, I'm waiting for the bubbles to turn to words. Yep. Media will be able to ask questions as well. So that's some breaking news for you right there. The manhunt is no longer active. 
Um, James Robert Allen was taken into custody about 10 or 12 minutes after, after the 12 o'clock hour. We'll talk about that on today's show. Props to the police. Props to a multi-jurisdictional policing effort to take somebody in, in, in James Robert Allen, who was literally um, on the run or on the lam as of late last night, um, near the 800th block of Cabell Avenue. That's basically UVA right there. Um, off the streets and now into custody. I want to talk on today's program um, about Friends of Seville leading a, um, which I think is a brilliant move, a, an effort to install cameras up and down the downtown mall on both sides. The camera installation is literally happening now. Uh, Friends of Seville is a nonprofit and they're pulling resources financial from a lot of business owners in downtown Charlottesville and those that are committed to um, changing, improving the quality of life in Charlottesville. Friends of Seville, the nonprofit, is installing cameras, paying to install cameras up and down the downtown mall, right above the storefronts, some below the canopies of the storefronts on the downtown mall. Details on that for you, and I'll talk William and Mary and UVA, my thoughts on a, on a contest where if it does not go UVA's way, they fall to 0-6 to start the season, and 0-6 with the loss to William and Mary, a loss to JMU, um, could be the low point um, for Tony Elliott and his team in, in, in Scott Stadium and, and, and in that locker room. Um, first, I want to talk about everything is not always how it appears to be. We have a, uh, a 2023 digital age where, you know, sock, pu sock uh, puppet accounts, anonymous accounts can post content. And that's just the era, we, you know, we live in. When we post content, opinions, some of the opinions people may not like, it's always tied to who we are, tied to our name. It's, it's never done um, on the DL. But things are not always how they appear to be in 2023. And I'll give you some examples. Take what happened in the, uh, in the June Democratic primaries with people living in this community. Let's consider Kellen Squire and, and Amy Lawfer. Amy Lawfer at one time was the head, the chairwoman of the uh, Almaro Democratic Party. Lawfer and Kellen Squire are running for who's going to represent the Democrats. And in this particular case, whoever represents the Democrats gets the victory because it's a very blue voting block. Lawfer, who's a seasoned politician, seasoned doesn't necessarily mean victorious in all capacities. It means she's run a lot of races. She took something Kellen Squire said years ago. Kellen Squire's in a emergency room nurse, and years ago, she took something he said in a blog post um, and used that language out of context, cherry-picking a couple of sentences, a short paragraph from this blog post from years ago, and turned it into political mailers, which hammered um, voters um, repeatedly. 
you have a former leader in the Democratic Party running against another Democrat, taking something that an emergency room nurse said when it came to abortion and a woman's right to choose, out of context, for the purpose of trying to win an election. Remember, everything's not always how it appears to be. Other examples. Alison Spillman, she's running for school board in the uh, at-large seat. One of her top donors is Chris Seaman. Chris Seaman is a law school professor. He's one of her top donors. You can find this information online at vpap.org. And Chris Seaman purchases megscaliabrice.com. And then he proceeds to launch a WordPress website on the URL megscaliabrice.com, which is Allison Spillman's opponent in the at-large race for the school board. He makes a mistake, or whoever designed or developed a website for him, we don't know if it was Chris, we don't know if it was somebody that did it on, on behalf of Mr. Seaman. He has not spoken about this website. No media besides what we do here has covered uh, this storyline. And when, he, when the website launches megscaliabrice.com, which is a smear campaign on candidate Bryce's first name, maiden name, and married name, namesake URL, when the word gets out that it's tied to Mr. Seaman, he immediately takes the website down and he hides it behind a WordPress login and password credentialed um, gateway that if you don't have this login and password, no one could see the smear campaign that he put up. He took it down because people realized it was him that was authoring and creating this website. Everything is not always how it appears to be. He wanted it to seem as if it was an anonymous website created by a political action committee or another individual or group, and it was going to be an opportunity for people from his vantage point to see the smear content that he created. He made a mistake and linked it to himself. Another example, Sally Hudson hammering Cree Dietz. Sally Hudson and Cree Dietz are both Democrats. You had Lawfer and Kellen Squire with Lawfer using what Squire said years ago out of context when it came to abortion and women's rights. And Sally, who used to rent from us here in the, in the Macklin building on the second floor, it was, I believe, her first campaign headquarters, Sally hammered Cree deeds on gun control and his history of gun reform voting. It aggravated Cree Deeds' daughter so much that she wrote an op-ed, she wrote a, either an op-ed or a letter to the editor of the Daily Progress, and they published it. And Cree's daughter said, what Sally is doing is not true. It's, it's, it's disingenuous. Everything is not always how it appears to be. That's the theme of this first segment of the show. So before we go to this uh, political active hunt, uh, this police, you know, alleged abductor, and we should change the headline. So he's now in custody. If you could update the headline. We just broke some news on the program here for you guys. Before I head to that uh, next segment or, or piece of, uh, you know, topic matter, I caution everyone that watches and listens to any kind of social media, digital media, 
reads any kind of publication or periodical or listens to any radio or watches any television, I caution um, anyone to have a... to consider all sides. <laughs> to consider all sides. Because everything is not always how it appears to be. In today's digital and social era, you can create a phony account, a phony social media account, not tied to your name, and relentlessly publish content about people, content or messaging that you would never say to someone face-to-face, eyeball to eyeball, but behind a computer screen or with a phone in your hands as you tap, tap, tap a screen to get a message out there, you get a level of courage, it's called keyboard muscles, that you would never have in an in-person setting. So I offer caution to everyone um, about what you read, what you see, what you hear, and consider every angle on every side. Now, I want to go to our next storyline. If you could, did you update that headline for us? Yeah. Oh, fantastic. Good work, Judah Lacan. It's nice to have you back. Um, we just broke some news on the program. Um, the police, you had UVA police, you had FBI, Virginia State Police, Almoral County Police, Charlottesville Police, Cotchis and his team leading the charge. Catch a man by the name of James Robert Allen. I'm getting more information on this. He was taken into custody 10 minutes after 12 o'clock today. So within the half hour, roughly. This man, last night at around 9.40 p.m. in the 800 block of Cabell Avenue, um, a 40-year-old man try to allegedly strangle or suffocate and abduct and abduct a female. Then from last night, after trying to strangle, suffocate, and abduct a female, he had been on the lam, in the run, in the wind, around the 800 block of Cabell Avenue. The alleged suspect's vehicle crashed into trees and multiple vehicles. The female reported to the police that this man tried to abduct her. I, I often on this program try to champion the police. I think we should do it again. The police got the name out and a description of the alleged abductor, got his face out, got his name out, got a description out immediately. They utilized social media channels to spread the word. They indicated that this was a multi-department effort, Green County, UVA Police, Green County Sheriff's Office, Albemarle County Police, Charlottesville Police. Then they say that they want to give special thanks to 
the U.S. Marshal Service, the U.S. Attorney's Office, the Commonwealth Attorney's Office, the Orange County Sheriff's Office, the FBI, and the Virginia State Police, along with the Almore County Police Department, the UVA Police Department, and the Greene County Sheriff's Office. This was legitimately, like, all hands on deck. We have to start highlighting what the Charlottesville Police Department has done under Chief Michael Cotches' leadership. Since Cotches has come in the mix... This department has done a complete 180 for where it was left with the previous regime. The previous regime had basically an empty department. A third of the force was empty or vacant or had empty seats, people not working within the department. It had... Maybe not the best brand at the time. The former chief was suing the city for wrongful termination. And today, we see the police department under Chief Conscious's leadership. We see criminals being caught. We see information getting relayed to the public quickly. We see the image completely changed. You see officers going to the 10th and Page neighborhood playing basketball with youngsters that live in the 10th and Page neighborhood. You go to the Charlottesville Police Department Instagram, and Kyle Irvin has done a hell of a job with this, the the, uh, communications director. And I'm literally looking at a post. I don't know if you can get this video to show where Chief Conscious, it's the first post on the Charlottesville Police Department Instagram, Chief Conscious is playing football with folks, with, young, with youngsters, literally throwing football, playing, throw, playing quarterback, playing safety, playing defensive back, playing two-hand touch in full uniform. I mean, I've been so impressed, and, and it's up to us to also change the narrative. I'm not one of those guys that's going to not acknowledge a change that I see, even if that change is being done by folks that some in this community don't like. I understand that some in this community are not crazy about the police. I am, though. I'm impressed with what's happening. I don't want to speak with Judah. We'll ask him his thoughts on this. Let us know if you got the Cotches quarterback video. Cotches playing safety. I would love to show it to the viewers and listeners. If we want a safer community, a safer Charlottesville, a safer downtown, a higher quality of life or an improved quality of life for Charlottesville, for downtown... We need to start by backing the men and women in blue. And, and I try to reiterate this point on the program. Even if you live in Albemarle County or Orange County or Greene County, Louisa County, Keswick, Gordonsville, Barbersville, any of the surrounding counties in Central Virginia, whether you want to admit this or not, your home values, your county's image is tied to Charlottesville directly. 
You leave central Virginia and you go to the Outer Banks or you go to... Let's talk about the people that are watching this program right now. I have folks watching the show in Palm Beach, in Fort Lauderdale, in Allentown, in all over Northern Virginia. I mean, the heat map is all over Nova. Richmond Short Pup, Southwest Virginia, folks watching in Tennessee, in the Maryland area, in Georgia. If we go to any of those states for vacation or work, and we say we're from Gordonsville, Virginia, Keswick, Virginia, Almoral, Virginia, Louisa, Virginia, Mineral, Virginia, Lake Monticello, Virginia. We say we're from Standersville, Virginia, Barbersville, Virginia, Earliesville, Virginia. The folks we're talking to will be like, what? Where is that? I've never heard of it. But you go to those places and you say, we're from Charlottesville, immediately you'll get a response. Charlottesville's turned into a national, if not global brand, whether we want to admit it or not. And the national and global brand equity of Charlottesville is still not fantastic. That's part of the reason why in Monday City Council meeting, when it was opening up for public comment, you had people zooming in or calling in that were literally using the N-word and, and, and horribly giving props to Hitler. Literally that happened on Monday. You know why that is? Because of the brand equity that is Charlottesville and our recent history of what's happened from August 11th and August 12th to now this homeless encampment in a park. For us to change that brand equity and rebuild the brand equity, the image, one of the key components of that is the police department and championing the men and women in blue and helping them realize that the community has their back, that the community sees them as heroes, that the community wants them to live within the community that they serve. When the police department has quality of life, confidence in itself, self-esteem, realizes the community is behind it, their performance is more positive and impactful when it comes to quality of life for its citizens. We've seen since Mike Cotchis, the George Clooney of policing, since he's taken over this embattled department, empty department, he's done a 180 with the image, a 180 with the communication, a 180 with the recruitment of officers, a 180 with how the community perceives it. He did it through walk and talks. You got that video? Yeah, football? Yeah, could you play that? Mm -hmm. Fantastic work, Judah. Tell, tell us when that shows. When that's, it's on screen. Look at the screen now. Thank you, Judah. Excellent work. I mean, is this not wholesome? Conscious playing football. This looks like... I, I, I'm trying to figure out which... 
public housing come on, come back. <laughs> complex this is. Go, go, go. This may be... Is that the is that formally friendship court? Is that Garrett Square? Is that what that looks like to you, Judah? Uh, let's see. I have to take a look. Again. At, that looks like downtown Charlottesville. There. I can't tell. It looks like play it again if you could. Tell me you don't like that. <laughs> let's make the music part. Go. When we give con- it's like sports, man. <laughs> Some of my best coaches in sports, I grew up playing sports. My brother and I grew up playing sports all our life. The best coaches that we ever had are the coaches that were able to instill incredible levels of self-esteem and confidence into my brother and I, my friends and I. When you, get, when you get coaching, and in this analogy, the community is coaching the police department. When the community can, can show the department that we back you, we believe in you, we have confidence in you, we trust you, when we, when we help create these feelings, resonate these feelings, it's going to lead to better performance. When a coach creates confidence for his or her team members, athletes, those athletes play at greater clips, perform at greater clips, because they have, it's a superpower confidence. I, you know, I want to take a moment to highlight the fact that the police department last night got a description out immediately, got a name out immediately, and got a photo out immediately of a, an alleged abductor. And then they communicated their action plan for catching the alleged abductor by working with other police departments. And then breaking the news, we got news broken on this show that the abductor was caught. And Chief Cotches is going to do a presser in 28 minutes. That's awesome. It's absolutely awesome. Stephanie Wells Rhodes, we missed you as well. Alex Witten, I, I believe the stickers that you're referring to are uh, the stickers that were posted around downtown Charlottesville about candidate Meg Bryce. Did you hear about this? Let's welcome Judah Wickhauer for his first appearance back from Minnesota, looking quite dapper over there. Judah Wickhauer. I, I, I generally, don't I always, is that the shirt I always give you props for? Uh, I don't know. That's, is that a J. Crew button down? Uh, I, but, well, that's a J. Crew button down. I know a J. Crew button down when I see a J. Crew button down. You're looking sharp. Right. Thank you. You're looking sharp. The stickers that are around downtown Charlottesville the today, stickers? there's stickers around downtown Charlottesville. Okay. And the stickers around downtown Charlottesville have candidate Bryce's name and fascist on them, or candidate Bryce's name and the F word rhymes with duck on them. Position all over downtown Charlottesville. Those are the stickers mm-hmm. Alex Witten is referencing. Everything is not always as it appears to be. <laughs> 
one of Spillman's top donors creates a phony website to smear Bryce. You gave us another example of everything is not always as it appears to be. What was that? Uh, I saw somebody post something about <clears throat> about Meg Bryce in uh, relation to Trump. I think it was a picture that showed her looked like she was looking at Trump or at least looking in the same direction that he was standing. And uh, someone else commented that perhaps you should uh, perhaps you should pan out and and be a little more honest because the fact of the matter was she wasn't at a uh, a Trump rally or, or anything like that I believe it was her attending the swearing in of her brother who was uh, I don't know the position that he was taking but uh, she wasn't there supporting Trump she was there supporting her brother so obviously um, cropping a picture and making it look like she's uh, she's a Trump supporter and I mean I, she could be I don't I don't know anything about her uh, who she supports politically but uh, the not that it's our business right the, po- the point being that yeah you can uh, you can make something look however you want it to look you can uh, you can everything is not always as it appears to be. And with the rise of AI and AI-generated images... Thank you. I mean, they're still in their infancy, and for those of us who have seen a few of them... Images, you, you start, audio, video... You start, to get the, uh, you start to get the knack of picking them out, but that's not to say that uh, in a week or a month or a year... Uh, you're going to be able to create an AI-generated image that looks exactly as though you had taken a photo of Meg Bryce killing babies or, you know, some other insanity. You know why these efforts are so frequent to try and tarnish candidate Bryce's brand or image? I'm sure there are quite a few reasons, but... Because the community realizes that she's very electable and has a great chance to win and has momentum. So you got one side using smear tactics and phony and fake websites, sock puppet accounts... I know firsthand what this is like. Sock puppet accounts not associated with a person's name, but a fake handle pushing content to try to manage a narrative. Yeah. And I encourage all those watching and listening to any media, social, digital, legacy, traditional, new. To think twice, a third time, and a fourth time. Do a little digging. I want to talk about your thoughts on Tent Town. Mm -hmm. And Sam Sanders, Deep Throat, has a couple of comments. 
He says, speaking of that point about how um, outlying counties are tied to Charlottesville, this is Deep Throat's comments on Twitter. He said, did you hear at the city council meeting, Mayor Snook pointed out that a lot of the complaints about Market Street Park tents came from Fluvanna County. I, I did hear that. Also, as if people from there don't come to town and fatten the coffers with meals tax and sales tax revenue. It's a great point from him. Snook and council literally tried to diminish the response in their email inboxes, marginalizing those responses by saying that they're not from Charlottesville residents, all of them. So what? they don't matter as much. That's what he tried to do on council. He's you're my saying, friend. I see him all the time. You're saying the emails to council are not all from Charlottesville residents and those that aren't can be disregarded? That's what happened in the council meeting. Council okay. tried to marginalize the bombardment of responses they received on Tent Town, the homeless encampment, by saying, on the record, on the dais, that a lot of these emails, many of them, were from folks in the surrounding counties. And I say to council, Mayor Snook, down the hall from us, Payne, Pinkston, he just walked by. Payne, Pinkston, per year, Wade. If you want the tax revenue, the meals tax, folks going to concerts, folks doing retail shopping, beverage, beers, spending money in a 10.2 square mile jurisdiction, you need to be mindful of the image and the brand that is Charlottesville. And those responses, that influx of emails and phone calls, nasty, angry, negative responses when it comes to Tent Town, they may not be voters that put you into office, but they're folks that spend money in Charlottesville. In fact, you could make a very convincing argument that there are people spending money in Charlottesville at a greater clip and frequency that live outside of Charlottesville than live in the city limits. I'll explain that in a different way. You take folks that spend money in Charlottesville. I would bet you there are more people that spend money in Charlottesville that do not live in city limits. You take Almaro, Fluvanna, Louisa, Orange, Green. Fluvanna, I said, all the counties. You combine them with tourists, with parents of students, with folks here on conference and retreats during the week. And that lump sum is greater than the sum spent by city residents that live within city limits. Saying those responses don't matter or marginalizing them is not seeing the forest through the trees. I'm also not sure why it... it I mean, in, in one way, it doesn't matter. Because if nobody was sending emails to city council complaining about the tent city, would that would the conclusion be that the tent city is a good thing? No. I'm not sure 
you know, yes, people are complaining about it. Does it matter who's complaining? Uh, does it even matter that they are complaining? Ginny this who, is obviously a problem. Exactly. A man of reason, Judah Wickhauer. Ginny Who just said on Twitter, we love you, Ginny Who. So Mayor Snook doesn't want my Almaro County money spent downtown? Okay, noted. That's what she said. Deep Throat says, and the people from the surrounding counties, the tourists, the parents, their spending here is discretionary. You need to keep them happy because they can walk and go elsewhere. City residents are already here and have less choice. It's a captive audience. Excellent point Yeah. from Deep Throat. Excellent point. Carol Thorpe has said on this show in the past, are you watching Queen of Jack Jewett, Carol Thorpe, that she intentionally and strategically chooses not to spend money in the city limits because she wants to keep her tax dollars tied to Albemarle County and its government. Frankie Bourne says, I 100% agree with you, Jerry and Judah. Thank you for watching, Frankie Bourne. There's seven states, viewers from seven states on the show right now. Vanessa Parkhill in Earliesville says this, agree about who spends money in Charlottesville, and as surrounding areas grow, residents will have more options outside the city. She also said, I had not heard about the stickers disparaging the candidate. It's so disappointing. We would all be better off if candidates and their supporters focused on policy. Yep. Amen. Agreed. Agreed. Offer your perspective on Sam. I thought it was on point. I've missed your perspective. I missed doing this with you. On Sam Sanders and Tent Town. Well, from what I've read, it's his response, his uh, lifting the, the curfew supposedly was not in response to, uh, to anything that the police may or may not have done. Um, but does that does that really matter? I mean, I don't really... It still seems like a snap judgment. And I've... After doing some more reading, I think I understand it a little better. I mean, I think he wants to find a solution. Uh, part of it may be that um, once there is a shelter in place... So I think there may be some question of the uh, the legality of kicking people out of a place like the park if there's no shelter in place for them. So if there was a shelter in place, they could kick the, the people out of the park. People that don't want to go to the shelter can then be arrested because there is a place for them to go. And <clears throat> if they're not going and if they're breaking the curfew at the park, then the police have the authority to arrest them I don't know. I believe that the Pacham, 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 Pacham shelter is is not open yet for the uh, for the fall and winter. Um, but <clears throat> Sam Sanders was talking about how to uh, how to get the how to get this started, how to get the shelter started, uh, how much room they're going to need. Um, I think here are, some, uh, here are some quotes. We need to identify who can actually operate a shelter. That's number one. We need to know how many of them are actually able to do overnight shelters. Uh, 
we need to acquire a space so that we can make sure there is a building of some size. But I'm not running to do that at this moment because I don't know how big that facility needs to be. And I don't know if it's one, two, or three facilities. Um, he also says it's going to be painful. The community has to appreciate that. It's going to hurt to have to deal with this. Look, I, it I, sounds like he's not really saying much of anything. And that, that is exactly what and that the is. Fact <laughs> of the ma- and the fact of the matter is, as some people have said, yes, we, we may need a shelter, but who's going to pay for it? And, who's, and how, how big do you build it? And once you've, once you've built it, if more and more people, if more and more unhoused people are coming into Charlottesville because it's a, a wonderful town... Do you then build a second shelter? And then if that gets to capacity, do you then build... When do you stop? I was having a conversation with a friend. Lives in this area. Lives in the city. He was taking the Amtrak down from BWI. He was sitting in business class of the Amtrak. Sitting next to him on the Amtrak the aisle over were Mm -hmm. two houseless individuals. They were riding the Amtrak to come down to Charlottesville. They were riding the Amtrak in business class to come down to Charlottesville. So he's got a couple hours sitting next to these folks, and he has an opportunity to hear what they have to say. And while they were talking, they were dissecting essentially their business model of how they survive and make money. One of the houseless individuals, the one directly across the aisle from my friend, said, if you have a really good sign, a sign that's really clear with Sharpie marker that can be seen from afar, you can earn $140 a day panhandling. He then said, if you have a poor sign, a sign that's not that readable and cannot be seen from far away, you earn roughly $90 from panhandling per day. These individuals then said, in Charlottesville, you have soup kitchens or organizations giving away breakfast, lunch, and dinner, many of them. And if one runs out of food, the other ones are strategically positioned or closely positioned where they can quickly get food from the next door soup kitchen. Mm-hmm. They also commented on, and we've been talking about this on the show, they also commented on the willingness of the police to overlook sleeping in doorways, under awnings, alleys, and they mentioned the park. Both said they did not have a tent, but that's what they were saving for. They mentioned the electrical outlets for charging their phones. He looked over. Each of them had iPhones. The electrical outlets for charging the phones up and down downtown Charlottesville. And in the park. And in the park. They mentioned the opportunity to hang out in the post office. That's air conditioned. When it gets really hot. They mentioned the library being open early and staying open late. They were talking, my friend, who's a big-time real estate owner, 
He said they were talking in ways as if it was a strategic business model centered around Charlottesville. They got the foot traffic up and down the mall. And for many in the community, there's a sense of his words, not mine, guilt and significant wealth that leads to donation and the giving of money. We have the perfect storm in Charlottesville. In a, what do you call the downtown mall and the surrounding streets where the soup kitchens are? 30 blocks? Basically, it's the Market Street, Water Street, the downtown mall, and the couple streets right off of Market and Water. What would you say that is? 30 blocks? The downtown mall is eight blocks. Would you say that's 30, 40 blocks? Do you want to look at Google Map? Call it 30 to 50 blocks. In a 30 to 50 block cluster, you get free breakfast, lunch, and dinner. You got an area that no one's going to pester you or kick you out if you want to sleep under an awning in a doorway or in a park itself in a tent. You got free internet on the downtown mall. The entire mall has the internet. You got electrical outlets all over the downtown mall. You got electrical outlets in the park itself. You got a curfew that's been lifted. If you got a sign that's clear, you can make $140 a day, easy to read sign. You get $90 for a sign that's not that good. You're not paying any taxes on that revenue. There's no business license. There's no peddler's license. They're not filing Virginia taxes, federal taxes, income taxes. No. Let's say you panhandle five days a week. You know what? We're in a hybrid and remote setting. This is a hybrid stay-at-home-and-work environment. Let's say you're panhandling four days a week. Four days, and let's take that 140 and that 90, and let's call it 115, okay? $115 a day. Maybe your sign gets rained on, you step on it, you sleep on it wrong, and you don't have a great sign one day. Let's call it 115 bucks, and you're working four days a week. That's $460 a week. $460 a week times 52 weeks is 24 grand. Four days a week, no taxes taking out of that, no rent, no food costs, no electric bill, no internet bill, no water bill, no car payment, no insurance. Mm-hmm. Charlottesville, Virginia has created a perfect storm for a new business model, a new generation or breed of entrepreneurs. I don't know about that. <clears throat> They're running a business. They've been running this business for a long time. I had a friend at USC who asked a, who asked a homeless person. He went up to him and said, look, off the record, what's, uh, how much do you make? Guys, like I make as much as I want to make. I, you know, if I need, if I want to stay in a hotel and get a shower one day, I make enough to stay in a, stay in a hotel. If I want some new shoes, I make enough to buy some new shoes. It's, uh, you know, 
people have been doing it for for decades. Vanessa says this, panhandlers are the entrepreneurial individuals who capitalize on emotion and are tough enough to handle the street life. The kindness of our community enables much of this activity. Yeah, I mean, more, more, more of them wouldn't be coming if it wasn't a, a good proposition. Bill McChesney says, you have a giant canopy to protect you from the elements in the pavilion. Yeah. On the downtown mall. It's the Field of Dreams line with James Earl Jones. If you build it, the actual line is, if you build it, he will come. We pivoted that line to, if you build it, they will come. And if you want to solve this, I'll tell you how to solve it. BJ Berglund says this, I live in Fluvanna County and I drive into Charlottesville three times a day. I hope our voices are worth hearing. He literally put that in the feed. I live in Fluvanna County and I drive to Charlottesville three times a day to spend his money. I hope our voices are worth hearing. Great comment. Yeah. I mentioned this live on air. I've, I've, I've put the action plan in place. This is what I would like to see city manager Sam Sanders do, Judah. Are you ready? Yeah. I would like city manager Sam Sanders to say, we are going to provide incredible resources for our houseless population. We're going to provide mental health counselors, social workers, substance abuse counselors, alcohol counselors, drug counselors. We're going to provide resume builders. We're going to build cots and places to sleep in warm environments bathrooms and showers and laundry facilities. And we're going to build in a campus that provides these resources where you can learn how to create a resume and do job interviews. These are called hand-ups, not handouts. And these hand-ups, places to sleep, places to shower, places to wash your clothes and to talk to professionals about the struggles that you're having in your life will be done at this campus, this building, this area that is strategically positioned in a joint city and Almoral County effort. Maybe, obviously, the city is going to have to have to foot a larger portion of this build in the county. But the county benefits from this as well. The county will benefit from this as well. And this effort creates a campus that provides a hand up, not a handout. And it holds the folks at this campus accountable to a timestamp of how long you can stay at the campus. You can't stay in perpetuity. You can't stay forever. You have, maybe it's a six-month window. Maybe it's a nine-month window. But within nine or 12 months, you should be on your feet, employed, rehabilitated, resumed, interviewed, earning income, and in a living environment that's affordable. And you do it where it's not tied to the epicenter of the community, the heartbeat of the community downtown. Now, I want to I emphasize this and get you in the mix. We can be, we can be empathetic and sympathetic 
to the houseless population, while at the same time holding government accountable for current conditions. I can ask government to remedy quality of life in downtown Charlottesville due to a growing homeless population and panhandling population while also empathizing and sympathizing for said houseless individuals and panhandlers. Don't let anyone say to you, viewer and listener, to you, Judah, to me, that you're nothing but a D-I-C-K when it comes to these folks. No. We're trying to improve the situation for everyone in a win-win-win setting. Government wins, police wins, citizen wins, and most importantly, the houseless population wins. Because mm-hmm. it's a path to getting off the streets. Oh. A couple of other items of note. Friends of Seville is a nonprofit. You can find them online. Carly Wagner, I'll get you your uh, comments here in a matter of moments. It's nice to have you commenting on the show, Carly Wagner. Johnny Ornalis, it's great to be back. Todd Rath. Todd Rath has this comment. He's the, the king of cider. Blue toad hard cider is damn good. Todd Rath says, Nelson has no problem taking tourism dollars from Almoro and specifically the city council. However, some of our businesses rely on a successful downtown. We all need each other. Amen. Every, Central Virginia runs first as Charlottesville goes. The 300,000 person region that is called Central Virginia goes first as Charlottesville, its brand, its quality of life, its safety, its security, its image goes. Johnny Ornalis, El Mariachi, and Guadalajara is banging, baby. Love those restaurants. Halibut. Halibut Holmberg, welcome to the program. Thanks for watching, Halibut Holmberg. Carly Wagner says the bridge ministry is awesome and we need more like it. Carol Thorpe is watching the program. Mm -hmm. Definitely. She said, I made inquiries of Mark Van Meter with the Charlottesville Salvation Army on Monday. He told me they have raised a little over $5 million of their $22 million goal for their Center of Hope capital campaign, which will add 50 beds, including family quarters, to their current 50 and expand their entire facility. For starters, why doesn't the city partner with them to help expedite this worthwhile project instead of reinventing the wheel from the ground up? That's a fantastic comment from Carol. Did you hear that? I'm going to read this comment again from Carol Thorpe, the Queen of Jack Jewett. This is a fantastic comment. She said, I made inquiries of Mark Van Meter with the Charlottesville Salvation Army on Monday. He told me that they have raised a little over $5 million of their $22 million goal for their Center of Hope capital campaign, which will add 50 new incremental beds, including a family quarters, to their current 50 beds and expand their entire facility. 
For starters, Carol Thorpe says, why doesn't the city partner with the Salvation Army than trying to reinvent the wheel from the ground up in Market Street Park? That is a fantastic comment. Can you yeah. reach out to Carol Thorpe sometime today via dire- uh, direct message and mail her a sticker on us, please? Okay. She left a comment on the I Love Seville Facebook page. Carol, A-plus comment. A-plus-plus. A, a, excellent comment. Carly Wagner says, will there be minimal safety requirements to be eligible to use the shelter? Drug tests? Are sex offenders allowed? Great questions from Carly Wagner. A strategic and common sense thinker, Carly Wagner. When she comments on the show, I read them. She also says, while spending matters, I don't want elected officials' perspectives to be up for sale. They should be representing their constituents first and foremost. Now, to Judah's point, I don't think city residents want the tent city either, so a statement was probably a moot point. Good stuff, Carly. One of the viewers and listeners... I'll utilize her name. Sarah Stovall. Sarah Stovall said the stickers about Meg Bryce around downtown Charlottesville are literally about her policies. Is calling someone a fascist about her policies? Yeah, I'm not sure how calling someone a fascist is uh, informing others about her policies. That's just... It's just name-calling. Just name-calling. It's saying F... F... Meg Bryce, about policies? No. I haven't actually seen the stickers, though, so I'm relying on the word of others. Do, they, <laughs> do the folks that do that kind of smearing realize all it does is create a sympathetic... What is, what's the word I'm looking for, the phrase I'm looking for? I mean, it creates sympathy for the... For the maligned person, I, you know, if I see something like that, I, I don't take it seriously. Because you're a man of reason. Because you know why? Everything is not how it appears to be. Yeah. Theme of today's show. Everything is not how it appears to be. Friends of Seville, you can find them online at friendsofseville.org are funding a camera installation campaign on the downtown mall. The cameras are being installed on storefronts, on the facades, above the windows of stores, sometimes below the canopies, literally as we speak. That camera installation campaign done by the nonprofit Friends of Seville, friendsofseville.org. I can read you their about, their mission statement, or their about us. Friends of Seville is a 501c3 nonprofit created in 2021. Our mission is to make Charlottesville a better than ever, more inclusive place for everyone by working with city government and the community to craft strategies and programs that stimulate downtown social and economic vitality. Friends of Seville is a forum for fresh ideas and a catalyst for advancement for the common good. I'm a big fan of Friends of Seville. 
installing the cameras in downtown Charlottesville, up and down the mall, I think is a great idea. Do you have a problem with that in any capacity? It creates safety, breeds safety, perception of safety. Can I tell you how this is going to be positioned by activists in Charlottesville, though? Sure. They, activists in Charlottesville, will position the cameras being installed by Friends of Seville in downtown Charlottesville as a profiling or tracking methodology. Methodology. Methodology, thank you. The same folks that are anti the license plate readers, the cameras that read license plates, will utilize the foundation, the argumental foundation, argumentative foundation, we'll just make this argument that these cameras are going to profile and track people and be used nefariously or corruptly or incorrectly. I wouldn't necessarily disagree with them, but I don't think Charlottesville has the infrastructure or the, just the, I, I mean, look at what's going on in the park. I don't think they have <clears throat> what it takes to turn this into, you know, Charlottesville, the police state. And it's certainly not something that, uh, that city council would, um, would back. Right? Having cameras in downtown Charlottesville is going to help foster the perception of security and safety. Yeah, in downtown if, Charlottesville... Even if they're not even connected to anything. Downtown Charlottesville needs that perception to be managed and improved. Mm -hmm. Sarah Stovall is, says she disagrees with you and I. She said fascist is not name-calling. It's literally naming her political ideology. That's BS. I think that's BS too. It's BS but you explain why you think it's BS. I think it's BS because ask any five people off off the street what, uh, what a fascist is, what fascism is, or what a fascist is, and they'll give you five different uh, five different answers. Yeah. And even if they all had the same answer, I, I can you is anybody really being honest when they call someone else a fascist? Deep Throat literally just said, does this person even have the ability to give the definition of fascism? Yeah. I mean, you know what the, name, the word fascist has become? It's just a... It's a meme. It's a caricature right now. Yeah. It's being thrown around willy-nilly so much that it's lost its meaning. Yeah. And to Judah's point, damn good point from you. Great to have you back. I very much enjoy sitting across from you. I sincerely, sincerely, sincerely mean that. You bring a perspective that is so different from mine, and I love when we click and harmonize like this. I mean that. Mm -hmm. Calling someone just a fascist is just... It's akin to calling someone a jerk. It's, it's like calling some, I mean, at least when you call someone a Nazi, half of the people that you're calling Nazis probably actually have swastikas and, you know, fairly, fairly outward uh, uh, proof of their, uh, of their allegiances. But with a fascist, I mean, it's just a, it's a, a buzzword. And it really is fairly meaningless unless you can... Unless you, you want to take the time to 
dig into what that actually means to you and explain how it relates to the person you're pointing the finger at. There you go. Eggstore Sean. I like your, your Twitter handle, Eggstore Sean. Eggstore Sean says, you're absolutely right, Jerry, about your homeless solutions. Deep Throat is showing his massive level of intellect by saying, I mean, and I, I'm going to butcher this person's name. I don't even know this author. You probably will know this. You're very well read. I mean, have one in 100 of the screamers using the word fascist even read two words of Julius Evola? Evola? E-V-O-L-A? Can they pick Giovanni Gentile out of a lineup? Deep Throat's a smart, smart dude. We have a two o'clock meeting. We got 10 minutes and then we got a two o'clock. Carol Thorpe sent us a, oh, excellent. You guys are already connecting about the sticker. Look at you. Well done. Very well done. Bill McChesney makes a great point. He's exactly right. If there had not been a few cameras on the downtown mall, Jesse Matthews, remember the yep. serial abductor of women and killer of women? Yeah. He would not have been caught. Tim Longo wanted cameras on the mall because of muggings, the former mm. police chief. There's no man in central Virginia that has had a greater, no man or no, no, man or no woman that has a greater impact on policing in central Virginia's history than probably Tim Longo. Now the chief of police of the UVA Police Department, the former chief of police of Charlottesville. No, I'll say it again. No man or no woman has had a greater impact on policing in central Virginia mm-hmm. than Tim Longo. Respond to Bill's comment. You've got no beef with the cameras, right? I mean, I'm not necessarily pro, you know, giving, uh, putting cameras up everywhere, but come on. Like, we're talking about the downtown mall, and do you really think they're going to hire, do you really think they're going to hire anyone to watch the, the camera footage? I'm pretty sure that the cameras are just going to be there, uh, as a deterrent. Uh, if they even record anything, somebody would have to go back and find the time and the camera and the whatnot to look for something. I'm not worried about, uh, about these cameras picking up and sending data to, uh, to the FBI or anything like that. I just don't see our city being that, uh, being that sophisticated. And, uh, yeah, I, these you know this isn't going to be like Twenty Four or some other you know movie or TV show. What's where, the guy's name from Twenty Four? Uh, Jack Bauer. Yeah. Or like, uh, what was the show? Point uh, person of interest had uh, they showed like the cameras you know viewing things and spotting things and you know scanning people's faces and license plates and I, we're a far cry we're a, we're a very far cry from from that uh, dystopia jack bauer Kiefer sutherland jack bauer and Kiefer sutherland aren't going to hack into the k 
cameras on the downtown mall to steal your facial identity to create some kind of AI so they can hack into your phone or break into your bank account. I mean, yeah, that, may, that all may be somewhere in our future, but it's not going to start in Charlottesville. Come on. And to Judah's point, a lot of people who have those yard signs, those security yard signs, the, the, in, in your front yard, like by the door, the security yard sign, a lot of folks don't even have security systems. Right. They have the yard sign. You know what one of the number one deterrents for breaking into a house is? A dog. A dog of any size. Yeah. A dog. Mm-hmm. Not a security system, number one deterrent. A dog. Look it up. Look it up the data online. You'd be amazed. Alex Witten watching the program. Alex Witten has this. Alex Witten, you are offering good perspective on the show. He says, you can't fight fascism without actual fascism. <laughs> and he says, cameras could show you who posted those stickers. <laughs> I can't believe I'm about to say this. And it's literally happening. I don't know if you've seen this. Over the last couple of months, I've been stepping over piles of human excrement on the downtown mall on the side streets. Literally. Guess I've been fortunate. You ever go out back that way? Yeah. All right. Five minutes, two o'clock coming up. I'll save this topic for tomorrow. The final months of 2023, I have some thoughts and predictions for the fourth quarter of this year. Our crystal ball has proven to be fairly accurate. And by fairly, I mean very. Final months of 2023, thoughts and predictions on tomorrow's show. You got William & Mary and UVA, 12 o'clock, Scott Stadium, high noon, Saturday. William & Mary is a fantastic football team. Their head coach is Mike London, the former head coach of UVA. And if you look at William & Mary, their coaching staff, their roster, a lot of former UVA players with ties to Mike London. William & Mary is going to come ready to play. And they take this very seriously. Rossi Dowling is on the William & Mary coaching staff. Matt, Rossi Dowling played in the NFL, was a fantastic defensive back, all ACC at UVA. Matt Johns is the passing game coordinator and the quarterback's coach. Remember the redhead quarterback for UVA? Matt Johns. Daryl Blackstock, the outside linebacker's coach. Keenan Carter, the defensive line coach. These are people who played for Mike London at UVA. You got a former head coach of UVA and a handful of players coming, and a handful of players now coaches coming to Charlottesville and Scott Stadium. The tribe are going to be fired up and ready to go. If UVA doesn't take this team seriously, they fall to 0-6 on the season. And UVA at 0-6 on the season, that is the lowest point this team has been since when? Sonny Randall? A 0-6 UVA football team is at its lowest point since when? I'm serious about this. 
Not any time in my lifetime have I seen them start 0-6. Maybe the Sonny Randall era. You've got to be mindful in the transfer portal era of lacking positive momentum for football because that's how you lose recruits. They just lost the three-star wide receiver. He decommitted. And that's how you lose active players. You don't think people are going to be chomping at the bit for Anthony Calandria, the quarterback, the freshman? It's a business. It's a big money business. Cully Baggett. Cully Baggett, the developer, watched the program. He says, these cameras are like concealed weapons in four-wheel drive. I'd rather have it and not need it than need it and not have it. And that's the same way the camera should be looked at. Very good analogy connecting Jesse Matthews to the use of those cameras. Cully Baggett, I love when you watch the show and comment on the show. Thank you for sharing your perspective, Cully Baggett. Props to you. Can you DM Cully Baggett and send him an I Love Seville sticker as well on us? No charge. We mail it directly to him. Cully, C-U-L-L-E-Y, Baggett. I'm going to respond. I love these cameras are like concealed weapons in four-wheel drive. I'd rather have it and not need it than need it and not have it. Excellent comment. Our two o'clock is waiting out there. Carol says, you made a great point. To the John Q. public, Judah is right. At least the word Nazi invokes a visual to cause one to recoil. Ask 50 people for the definition of fascist and you'll get 50 different definitions. Like the term icon, fascist has become overbaked and overused to the point of being meaningless. Yeah. Bingo. And the theme of the show, you're exactly right, Halibut. Not everything is as it appears to be. For Judah Wickhauer, I'm Jerry Miller. And man, it's good to be back on the I Love Seville show. Take care.